Hello there, this is Lisa Borders, and on this podcast, I'll connect with people from all walks of life. We'll talk about overcoming adversity, transmuting the shadow, and moments of illumination. We'll explore what it means to fulfill our potential while maintaining our most authentic selves. And we'll reflect on the lessons we're learning all along the way. If you feel inspired by what you hear, subscribe wherever you're listening, leave a five-star review, share it with a friend, and join the community at lisaborders.us. Thank you for joining me, and this is Enlightened. Hello, everybody. Lisa Borders here. I am so excited. I have the opportunity to have a conversation with Brianna Stewart, or Stewie, as we know her. And I have to tell you guys, Stewie may not remember this, but my first year as president of the WNBA, we had the draft in April of 2016. Stewie was drafted first round, first pick, and she was the person the athlete that I handed the first jersey of my WNBA tenure. And boy, did she deserve it. This young woman has won at every level, high school, college, professional, and the Olympics. And we're going to talk about all of that, but that is one dimension of her life. That's what she does. That's not who she is. I'm so excited to have you here. Stewie, so great to see you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And where are you, girlfriend? I know you're not in the U.S. right now. I am in Russia. I am in way east Russia in a city called Ekaterinburg. And we are just closing out our regular season and then getting into playoffs with EuroLeague and Russian League. And then I'll be back in time for WNBA whenever we figure out what our schedule is. (laughs) As all of us are trying to figure out what we're doing during the pandemic, But you mentioned that you're in Russia, and I think I want to tell people a little bit about the W and about you guys' schedule, if I might. So WNBA players are the only professional players who are required to have four years post-high school before they are eligible to be drafted. So Stewie came in after graduating from UConn. So I want to talk about that in a minute, Stewie. Hold that in your head. And they play six months in the U.S. and then six months often in the international market. So W players not only leave their home cities and counties and countries, they go to other continents. And Stewie, I know you played two years in China, and now this is your second time playing in Russia. What's it like in Russia to play basketball? Playing basketball in Russia is very similar to the U.S. I think that obviously seeing the appreciation that the Russians have for basketball and how it's a little bit different than what it might be in the WNBA, because as in different markets, it's not always the same amount of attendance. And it's a greater sense of pride, I think, in Europe and collectively for these teams, because they want their city to win. They're representing their city and their city's representing them and they want us to win. But it's definitely a great experience. You touched on it. I had the opportunity to play in China for two years. This is actually my third year in Russia. Last year didn't really count because I came super late and then we had the pandemic. But it's an opportunity to really travel the world. And as people might or might not know, Russia is closed right now. Like the borders are closed. And the only reason you get in is with a work visa. So to have the opportunity to be here and play, I know that I'm obviously lucky. 
Listen, you are doing fabulous things like all your sisters in the W. So let's step back because you made the decision to play in Russia, to play in China. I remember being with you in the USA Olympic team in Rio de Janeiro in 2016, mm -hmm. where you guys won a gold medal, which was fabulous, I might add. But let's yeah. step all the way back to high school. I remember reading at one point before I met you that you decided to go to UConn, but you played high school ball. And I remember reading about your workout routine and about dribbling the ball around mm -hmm. the block. And your mm -hmm. wingspan was like six foot, 10 inches, which is mm -hmm. amazing. But talk a little bit about the dedication that you had to that dribbling around the block. And what was this thing about a thousand dribbles? What was that? Yeah. In middle school, my dad got me to, to dribble around the block. And it was something that at first I thought was really stupid. And eventually, like any kid giving into their parents and doing what they want them to do, that's what I did. And instead of it being his thing, it became my thing. Ah. And it's something that I, I really, when you said dedication, I really didn't think of it as like dedication. It was just something that I was going to do. And it made me feel good. And through all those years, obviously, it helped my skill as far as dribbling but also increase my love for the game and and really competitiveness and at first I tell people all the time when I first started I'd go around my block four times and my neighbors looked at me like I was crazy what is this girl doing she just keeps going and going and then as I got older it was like I couldn't get around the block without talking to a lot of my neighbors because they wanted to catch up on this and that and basketball. And it was really cool because it just goes to show how much support they had for me and they appreciated it too. Yeah, for sure. And then you decide to go to UConn, I understand, after a campus visit. Talk to me a little bit. Everybody knows about the Huskies and the dynasty that is there. You guys won four national championships and you were the MVP four times. I don't know that record has been broken yet. Oh my God, girl. How'd you make that decision? Because oftentimes when we're young, I don't recall exactly what things I thought about to make a decision about going to a particular place or school or job. So help me with that. Yeah, I guess I mean, before the show, we were talking about Duke. And if I would have been able to choose where I wanted to go when I was 14, I would have went to North Carolina. That's just where I would have went. Like, I loved UNC. I loved the colors. I remember watching. Um, okay, interview over. If you're going to talk about UNC. <laughs> <laughs> but then as I continued to get better and also get the recognition and realize exactly what I wanted as far as where I was going to go to school, I fell in love with UConn and also realizing what they do to help people as people and also as basketball players. And I wanted to go to a place where I would help become the best and learn how to be the best and continue to be the best. And that's, that's what happened. Obviously, everybody sees four national championships and the MVPs and all that. But I went to a place where I was going to be pushed to be my best and become my best. And it was the best decision I made. That's incredibly mature of you. I'm trying to remember at 18 if I were quite that mature, but you are from New York originally. So you stayed fairly close to home going yep. to UConn, but it's a fabulous program. Then you go across the country from the Northeast over to the Northwest because you mm -hmm. get drafted by Seattle and you are having just an incredible career. Two national championships. Stewie, damn, like dribbling around the block to 
having championships in high school and college and now Seattle, how does that feel winning at every level? And then of course, we're going to talk about the Olympics because that's all, that's the international stage. Yeah. To be honest, I don't look at it like that very often, but hearing all the things that I've been able to do and then realizing that I'm 26 and I've been out with an Achilles injury as well. It's a lot. And I'm definitely very fortunate to be able to do what I love and continue to, like I said earlier, travel all over the place. But when I get drafted to Seattle and talking about getting the jersey from you on the stage and being the number one pick, that was a dream. And hearing my name be called and being the number one pick, I couldn't have imagined it any better. And then being drafted to Seattle, having the opportunity to play with Sue. Obviously, we have gone in very similar paths, being from New York, going to UConn, drafted to Seattle. I was excited. I had an opportunity to play with her a little bit for USA Basketball, but not a lot. And now fast forwarding, what, five seasons? Wow. It's, it's Two kind of unreal. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. And, you know, when I got drafted to Seattle, that was my first time going to Seattle ever. Really? Went to Seattle. Oh, no. I didn't know that. And I don't even think I was ever in the Pacific Northwest because when you're on the East Coast, you mostly stay on the East Coast. <laughs> and now the West Coast is my home. And I want to continue to be in Seattle for hopefully as long as I can. Well, you and Sue Bird, and for those that don't know who are listening, and Sue knows I call her this, she is the OG. She is the original gangsta in the WNBA. She's the leader on so many levels, point guard on the floor, the general on the floor, but she leads emotionally and psychologically as well. But let me talk about one season where you weren't playing. That's 2019. You mentioned your injury. Talk about that Achilles issue and how you dealt with that, the clinical piece, but also the rehab piece. Because I can remember, I always texted you guys when you were hurt and said, hang in there because it's tough. Can you Mm -hmm. talk about that a little? It reminds me of adversity in life. Yeah. To be honest, I guess looking a year plus from being back is I didn't know if I was going to be at this point coming back from an Achilles injury, especially as a basketball player. It's the worst injury you can have. And that's what everyone says for what we do, how the game is being played. So I actually I got hurt in the EuroLeague Final Four in Chopron, Hungary, going up for a jump shot, which I've done like thousands of times. And my Achilles just went. And I remember thinking, I hope I broke my ankle. Like, I really hope I broke my ankle because then maybe I'll be back in two months instead of being out for a year. But that wasn't the case. And I think being out in 2019, obviously it sucked. There's really no looking around it. It sucked because I wasn't able to be there with my team. We weren't able to have our honeymoon period of winning the WNBA championship the year before. Missing an opportunity and a season to play with Sue. But it gave me time to appreciate things even more. I couldn't walk for three months and appreciating being able to walk and never thinking of that as something that I take for granted. And I remember my PT, my physical therapist saying like on day one, he was like, this is going to be a roller coaster of a journey. And it was because some days it was good and some days it was bad. And some days you couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel because you just didn't know where you were going to get back to. But fortunately, I stuck with it. I had a great circle of people around me. And just continuing to take it one day at a time. And I know that there's some people still going through Achilles injuries right now. Shout out to Alyssa Thomas, Karima Christmas Kelly, the two people of note right now that are going through it. And just continue to stick with it, stick with the journey. And something that I've learned is that you don't always understand why things happen. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they just happen. And to make this go full circle, we are actually going back to Chopron 
in a few weeks. So that's really? gonna be my first time back in that arena since I got hurt. So it'll be interesting. Wow. I often wonder where you guys get the strength, not just the physical strength, but the mental strength to hang in there when you're rehabbing an injury. It's one thing to have surgery that's out of your control. The surgeons and the hospital and the clinicians are working on you, but then to have the strength and it makes me think about life in general when people are trying to navigate things that are happening. But Stewie, I have seen your footwork. And I have seen you go up for a jump shot, whether it's a finger roll or a dunk. I know you did your first dunk in high school. So mm -hmm. I am always super proud to watch all of that. But let's talk about basketball is almost a metaphor for life, too. Mm -hmm. You guys pass the ball to the person who has the best access to the basket and the highest percentage chance of making that basket. And I can recall 2016 being a very difficult year, not just for basketball or life in general, but a lot of the civic and social unrest started in 2016. And the W was like the tip of the spear it's in the DNA of the W. Do you remember that was your first season? Because you got drafted in April and then the season starts in late May, early June. How did you feel that season, do you recall? I think in my rookie season, is, it was an empowering season. Being around such a strong group of women, a strong league of women in the WNBA, I guess I couldn't have pictured my rookie year to be anything better. Continuing to be at the forefront of change and social justice. And even when we fast forward five seasons from now and we see everything that's gone on in the bubble, I'm reminding people that we were always here. We were always the ones speaking up and continuing to be activists. And one thing I remember was obviously there was a conflict with the league and the idea of us getting fined for not wearing league mandated gear, t-shirts, whatever it was. And then we were at the Olympics and Mello was like, we got y'all. He was like, we're going to take <laughs> care of it and they have our backs. So that was something that was really appreciated. And I think that we've always had a tie to the NBA but I believe that since I've been a part of the league, it's continued to grow and continue to get stronger and they continue to have our back for what we stand up and believe in and speak on and also what we do on the court. That's exactly correct. And I can remember that season like it was yesterday because it was my first season as president of the league. But I remember you guys as teams were taking a stand before Colin Kaepernick or your NBA brothers we're taking knees. So I tell folks that not to throw shade, but to say the NBA, the women of the W were always in this place and in this space. So let's talk about what's happening now. Cause it's true. The NBA are your brothers. Mm -hmm. The NBA has always supported the W since it was born in 1996 after the Olympics in my home city of Atlanta. As we look five years hence, and I want to talk a little bit about the marching you have done, the activities you have done to stay fully engaged. I remember getting a call once, Dewey. You were marching in LA and I got a call because the security team was nervous that someone was going to do something to you. And you had written some survivors of an incident's name on your shoes. Can you tell me about that or re remind everybody what was going on at that time? Because I said to them, nothing's going to happen to her. She's got cover there. Everybody's yeah. going to take care of her and she's going to take care of them. 
Yeah, whirlwind of a year, but that that also was 2016. And being in LA before the WNBA season started, because that was the only time we have a little bit more time is when you come out of college. I remember going to the protests at LAX with a friend of mine, and it was just us two there. And that's all we needed. It was an opportunity. It was obviously when the the Muslim ban came about and, and all those protests. And it was an opportunity to continue to, to stand for equality and realize that I might not have direct lineage with the people that this is affecting, but I want to continue to be here and show support and realize that my voice and my platform might be bigger than other people's and to continue to use that. Said So bring us present day. Because as we went through all that foolishness last year and all the shenanigans politically with all the polarization, you and the W jumped in once again, and you guys had never done like the political thing. You had always done the social engagement, whether it was your home city or your playing city or your international city. But can you talk a little bit about, let's go to the U.S. Senate race, because that's the one where you guys, and I'm not saying you guys weren't interested in the presidency, because of course you were. Yeah. But there was so much discussion around the U.S. Senate race and the potential outcome and what the impact can be. Can you talk about what your thinking was? Tell everybody what happened and what your thinking was during that time. Yeah. So this summer, we had obviously an opportunity to use our platforms in a lot of different ways. And we really did that. As a league, I'm really proud of what we were able to accomplish as far as just being all hands on deck and continuing to be in solidarity in what we stood up and believed in. And the U.S. Senate race that Lisa is talking about was actually presented to me by Sue. And I think you guys connected a little before and continued to work the rest of the league into it. But realizing that Reverend Warnock was running for that U.S. Senate seat and in a state of Georgia against a Atlanta Dream owner who had made remarks about our league and what we do and standing up for Black Lives Matter. And it was our way of advocating for ourselves, for Reverend Warnock and against her without speaking her name. And I guess we can speak her name now because he lost, so it doesn't matter. But it was something that was extremely special to even just wear shirts that said vote Warnock. The Atlanta Dream started with it. It was early August, I believe. I don't know. Yeah. And then all leagues followed. And to see how much coverage that got, how much money that brought into Reverend Warnock's campaign. And now looking back, we had the runoff in January and to see him actually win and to see Jonathan Ossoff win and then to flip the Senate. Did we know all that was going to (laughs) happen? I don't know. Um, But to be able to be a part of that, even if it was just a small bit, was extremely special. And I feel like I say this all the time, but continuing to want to be on the right side of history, continuing to want to have the right people lead us. And I think that was one of the big points is not everybody was registered to vote in the state of Georgia. I'm not registered to vote in the state of Georgia, but continuing to advocate for the state of Georgia for those and make sure that they were aware of who they're voting for and who they're not voting for. And then that goes to a bigger thing with the general election and everything else. Absolutely. There's a whole lot of relationship equity here too, Stewie. When I think back to Sue reaching out to me and asking, do you know Reverend Warnock? Do you trust him? What does he stand for? And having that conversation and then subsequent conversations with you guys, 
it's really helpful when people can see one another. You guys were standing up for what you believed in, but you did it based on your research and the relationships that you had in place. Talk about, if you could remind me, the union that you guys have and how you work together. Because I think that's a support system most people don't have. You might have friends, you might have some folks at work, but you don't necessarily have a union and the focus that you guys have. Just speaking as our league collectively, it seems like we always have each other's back. And I think that's the thing is we continue to educate each other, educate ourselves first, and then the people around us and take it in that kind of mannerism and really go forward. And to be a part of, obviously, the WNBPA, which is the Players Union, Players Association, and really see what we can do and see the impact we can have. And obviously, this year was crazy in itself because of all the systemic racism going on, the social injustices, and then to add on a pandemic, it was a lot. It was a lot happening. And to be able to be on these league calls from the beginning, are we going to play a season? Do people want to play a season? What's happening in the bubble? The opportunity to endorse Revan Warnock. The opportunity to have a media blackout, to have a day, two days of recognition where we didn't play games that we were supposed to play. We all did that together and continuing to, like I said, have each other's back and realize that, yeah, not all those, not all the people in the WNBA are my teammates, but they're all still my colleagues and coworkers. And if we want to continue to be better as people, we want to continue to be better as a league and continue to have people look at us that way. And I think that another thing that I was saying to a lot of people was this is the first year that I really felt like the league and the players were like intertwined. Mm. The league really had our back, like really had our back and let us lead and they followed. Amazing. That's just terrific. You have played sports for a really long time and you are really good at it. Are there things you have learned in sports, on the court, that you have applied off the court in your life or in the activities that you've been involved in. We often see studies that say when men play sports, they learn certain skills. And women didn't start playing sports en masse until Title IX was passed in 1972. So I miss that, Stewie, even though I don't have any athletic talent, not really, but I didn't even have that opportunity. So are there things you've learned through playing sports, you think, as you talk about your teammates? That's what made me think about it. I think that the things that I've learned through playing, excuse me, playing sports is, I could go in a lot of different directions here. Obviously, realizing what I want in my life and what I want in the basketball court. I think that I say this to kids all the time, but the game is 90% mental. And I think majority of life is mental. And the way that you handle that mentally is going to also affect things physically. I also think that being genuine is something that's how you be yourself. That's how you be you. And continuing to do that, continuing to, for me anyways, be open with everyone as far as what I've done, what I've gone through with the Me Too and continuing to advocate for others. And the other situation, there's, like I said, there's so many different things, but realizing that not all of my teammates have been in the same situation that I have. And maybe they're not all looked at as the same way that I have been. And continuing to hear that and listen to them and use my voice for more than just me, but all communities and 
to continue to be better. I think that's the big thing is I've been a very successful basketball player. And if I was done playing basketball, I'd be super successful, but I want to continue to be better as well and continue to raise those standards on and off the court. I have watched you just blossom like a rose. Not that you weren't a beautiful bud when you were coming out of UConn and just blossoming. But as we think about times in your life where perhaps you had one perspective and you went through something and came through on the other side with a different perspective, what would that be? Because I'm listening to you and I remember the Yukon kid and this finally, I have a picture in my house with you and me on that stage. Mm -hmm. And you were very polished young woman at that point and an extraordinary basketball player. And now you have just taken it to a whole nother level, but it was not all peaches and cream. I know that. Yeah, for sure. So Tell me, when was a time when you thought one thing, went through something, came through on the other side and thought, holy cow, let I change my mind or my point of view? I don't know. I think that for me, I think having gone through a lot of different kind of forms of adversity and coming and being stronger on the other side of them is something that I definitely take near and dear and appreciate. I touched on it a little bit. The opportunity, I think it was my second year after my second season opening up about my being a victim of sexual abuse when I was younger. And that was something that was really hard for me. And I remember talking to my agent when I was drafted 2016. And I was like, I have this thing. Thing happened to me. And I I didn't tell anybody except my family. And I don't know when the time is that I want to share my story. But at some point, that's what I want to do, because I want to continue to help others and realize that, yeah, I'm a great basketball player, but it's not like I'm invincible. It's not like I'm untouchable. Like things have happened to me too and continue to be genuine. So sharing that story, being vulnerable to the world because I didn't know how they were going to react was something that lifted a weight off my shoulders that I didn't know I had and was a way for me to continue to have confidence in what I am who I am, what I believe in, and continue to take that forward and realize that not everybody likes my opinion and what I do. But as long as I believe in it, and and it's close to me, then that's what I'm going to continue to do and continue to be my best and continue to fight for equality across the board. Clearly, that was an amazing moment. Stewie, where'd you get the courage to do that. If you said that to, to Lindsay, shout out yeah. to your agent, Lindsay Kagawa Colas. How did you at, cause you're like 20 years old or 20, I can't remember how old you were, but you were a baby. Like mm-hmm. obviously you went through the situation and you got from point A to point B, but then you had to revisit it. Where did that come from? Where did that strength come from? Do you think? It was just the strength of knowing that I was going to potentially help others. If you just save one person's life, or change one person's life to go in the right direction or a more positive direction, then that's the right thing. And I remember I was in China when the article was going to break, like I had to be the one to send the article. And I was like, I was nervous. I think I pressed send and left my phone for two hours because I didn't know what was going to happen. But yeah, and the feedback, the amount of positive feedback from that was insane. And it was really unexpected. But still to this day, to be able to be an ambassador for Rain, one of the, the biggest organizations for victims of sexual abuse and continue to use my voice is what I want to do and continue to take advantage of the spotlight that I'm in and continue to make it for more than just basketball. Absolutely. 
So, Stewie, you touched on it a little bit with your ambassadorship for Rain, and I know you're going to keep playing basketball because I'm going to keep watching you selfishly. I want you to keep driving the lane and just making amazing plays. What else is next for Stewie? Do you know? Or are you still thinking about that? And I'm not talking retirement here. I don't want your agent <laughs> calling me going, why did you ask her that? <laughs> but no, just... Where, with all the stuff going on in the world, what mm -hmm. do you think? Are you going to stay in the social justice space or the civic engagement space? What do you think you'll be doing? Yeah, um, definitely going to continue to be a part of the social justice council. I think that it was something that last year was the first season we had it and there was six members and it's something that we need every single year. And even if the members, we have more members or less members or whatever the case may be, the advocacy for social justice is going to continue to still be here and we're going to continue to still need it. And as unfortunate as that is, we are continuing to build and we need to continue to use our platforms and continue to fight for what we deserve as human beings. And to be a part of that, to have the league coincide with that is something super, super motivating, super powerful. I'm looking forward to what's going to come with the 2021 season. 25th anniversary of the WNBA, which is I know. crazy. Oh, that makes it. I'm just driving. <laughs> but yeah, continuing to do that, continuing to be more than just myself, continuing to play basketball at the best level that I can and continue to appreciate the opportunities. And I hope we're going to go to Tokyo this summer. I hope that it happens. Fingers crossed. I don't know what's going on. but um, <laughs> With the Olympics, go, go, go. I, I hope that we'll have an opportunity to be there and go for another gold medal, seven straight. Which will be incredible. Only the women have gone for seven straight. Let me just drop that dime. Stewie, you brought it full circle. This reminds me of you bouncing that basketball all around your block at home until you had that thousand dribbles you recognize that social justice, it's a journey, right? There is not yet a destination. We all wish that it were, but I appreciate you are so committed and I've watched your actions since you've been in the league and it appears your audio matches your video. So I am so pleased to have this opportunity to spend some time with you. Will you come back sometime? Absolutely. I'll be here. I'll be in Russia. So I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> Brianna Stewart, thank you so much. Love you, girl. Thank you. All right, everyone. That was this week's episode of Enlightened. I hope you learned something new and feel inspired to meet any challenge you may be facing in life. If you enjoy the energy we're creating here, subscribe wherever you're listening. Leave a five star review, share it with a friend. And join the Enlightened community for bonus episodes and deeper discussions at lisaborders.us. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next week.